Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right, we're continuing on our discipleship training. And all right. As always, we're going to start off with, with a little poem called The World of Scripture. Just, uh, just you know, so everyone is uh, clear, you know, where we are and, you know, what what uh, dimension we're in. You know, it's called The World of Scripture. Welcome to my world, a place where the natural eyes can't see, where your physical bodies can't be, where the last is first, the first is last, the end is told from the beginning, when it appears as though one is losing, they're actually winning. Where trumpets are depicted as voices and the persecuted righteous don't complain, but actually rejoices. Here swords are likened to the word, the demons of bird, the dead are yet alive, the living are actually dead, blood and flesh are even depicted as wine and bread. It's a place wherein the humble are depicted as poor and the poorer one becomes the later to be found that much richer. I'm speaking of no other place but the awesome world of scripture. So please turn off your phones, perk up your ears and get ready to listen. The Rock Aquadash is about to begin teaching. Hallelujah. All right, so we are still dealing with Avram, uh, with uh, Avram, Avram, whichever you prefer. And so we left off in Genesis 14. We're going to pick it up today in Genesis 15. And let me have my first reader read Genesis 15, 1 through 3, please. Genesis 15, beginning at verse 1. After these things, the word of Yahuwah came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram, I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abram said, Adonai, Yahuwah, what wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus? <laughs> And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed, and lo, one born in my house is mine heir. All right. So first first things first, you know, who came to um, Abram? Yahshua. And how do we know? Because Yahshua is the word, right? John 1 and 1. All right. So we see Yahshua coming to Avram in a vision, you know, and telling him, you know, fear not, I am thy shield and exceeding great reward. You know, why would he tell him he's his exceeding great reward? <clears throat> Come on, somebody, somebody. Yeah, but yeah, but it's a particular reason that he's telling them at this point in time. It's coming from him. See? No. 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 Because of the promises that he made. Because he just missed out on a great reward. What great reward did he just miss out on? The spoils of war. Right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. Okay. <laughs> you know, his, his, 
his, his uh the people he was in confederate with they got their reward but he didn't get his you know because he said no you know i you know i, I lift my hand up to yahoo said I, I wouldn't take anything you know so this is why yah is telling him you know look not only am i thy shield I'm also that exceeding great reward. Hmm. You know, so don't even worry about what you missed out on. What you gained is much greater. He's, that's what Yah is saying. I'm much greater than 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 uh than what you would have got from that from that the spoils of that war. You know, and then verse two. You know, Abram says, "What wilt thou give me, seeing I go childless?" Because you know, at this point, you know, um. You know, he's not a pauper. You know, he he he's, he was he got kind of well off leaving out of Misraim too, right? You know, so I want you to understand, you know, that culturally speaking, for a man of Abraham's day and culture, to die without um, having a son was a fate they considered worse than death. But it was it was the perception of the peoples of that day that they lived on via their progeny. You know, and you can see that, like, you know, there's a part of you and your children, you know, um, that continues on, right? You know, uh, I mean, you know, it's it's uncanny, like, you know, you, you find yourself saying stuff your parents used to say, right? <laughs> you know, and you find yourself, you know, acting like they used to act, you know, and, you know, and so like, you know, yeah, so, you know, continue to live on through, through your progeny now. Hence, for one to die childless, uh, for especially a man, to die childless was to die twice. You know, not to mention, you know, because he only he not only died physically, but he died spiritually because his progeny wouldn't continue on. His his uh his 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 genealogy, his seed wouldn't continue. You know, and not to mention that the childless death of an of an only son. Was, uh, was also viewed as the death of one's forefathers because now you brought the whole lineage to a stop. It all ended with you. If you were the only son and you didn't have a son, you know, to continue on the uh, family line, then, yeah, the lineage stopped with you, you know, and so that was, you know, that was considered to be very shameful and, and, and frowned upon. Now, due to this viewpoint, the number one responsibility of a wife of that day was to provide her husband with a son. And to not do so was considered shameful, shameful or, or even disgraceful. You know, and so this is why you see passages, passages such as Genesis 31 through 3. It says, and, and Rachel, and when Rachel saw that she bare Yaakov and those children, Rachel envied her sister. And said unto Yaakov, give me children or else I die. You know, like she, she's, you know, that's how bad she felt. You know, and Yaakov's anger was kindled against Rachel. And he said, am I in Elohim's stead who have withheld from thee the fruit of um, the womb? And she said, behold, my maid Bilhah, go in unto her and she shall bear upon my knees that I may have children by her. You know, and so this was the list the links that, that women was willing to go to, you know, to provide um, a son, you know, for, for, for their husband, you know, even 
you know, sharing their sharing their husband. You know, uh, and so like you can tell from this, like this was a big deal. It was a big deal back then. Now, unfortunately, children are frowned upon. They just looked at as 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 bills, you know, and you know, and it's it's all about you know, man, another mouth to feed. You know, it's it's like you know, it's it's, it's viewed upon in this day. You know, when when children are actually a blessing, but you know, society makes you feel as though they're a curse. You know, and it's not right. You know, you know, I fell victim to that myself. You know, uh, you know, coming up. You know, but we need to change that narrative. All right, let me have my next reader read Genesis fifteen four through eight. And behold, the word of Yahuwah came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now toward the heaven and tell the stars if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, So shall thy seed be. And he believed Yahuwah, and he counted it to him for righteousness. And he said unto him, I am Yahuwah that brought thee out of the earth of the Chaldees, to give thee this land to inherit it. And he said, Adonai Yahuwah, whereby shall I know that I shall inherit it? Mm. Okay, so now here it is. We, we're told that Yahshua came to him again, right? You know, um, and, you know, he told him that he that come forth out of thine own vows shall be thine heir. You know, I know you don't have an heir. I haven't forgot about that. Mm -hmm. You know, um, Eleazar, you know, your 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 uh your your chief servant, you know, he, he's no, he's not gonna be thine heir. You know, you're gonna have an heir. You know, and uh and not only that, I'm gonna give him all this land. Look, look abroad, you know, look toward the heavens and tell the stars. If you can number them, then you know that's how that's how many your seed gonna be. So, in other words, he's telling them, you know. Uh, in in line in alignment with the way that they believe, he's telling them you're going to live forever. You know, your seed is going to live forever. You know, if you can number all these all the stars, that's 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 how numerous your seed will be. And it says he believed in Yahoo and he counted it um to him for righteousness. You know, and then he asked him, "Whereby shall I know I shall inherit?" It? Don't sound like he believed all that much, right? <laughs> You know, it just tells you in verse six, he believed in Yahoo and it was counted to him for righteousness. But in verse eight, he's like, uh, how I know I'm going, I'm going to inherit it, you know? And so, you know, on the surface, it seems like, like, you know, he's doubting, but it's not. Abel isn't showing doubt or disrespect to the word of Yahuwah. Instead, he's asking y'all to commit to him, to himself. He's asking y'all to commit to him as, um, as he's shown that um he has that he has shown up to that point that he was committed to Yah. He's asking Yah to commit to him. In other words, he's asking Yah, you know, hey, we'll, we'll enter into covenant with me so that so you know, um, you know, so I can feel secure. You know, and you know, and and it was you know, it wasn't no doubt or disrespect. It's just this is the way things were done back in his day. You know, you have to understand, you know, that, you know, uh. 
paganism was running a running a uh, abroad, you know, it was at, at large, you know, back in Abram's time, you know, and so, you know, here it is. He's starting to follow Yah, and I'm sure he heard about him through his forefathers, and you know, and uh, you know, and Yah has him out here on this mission. So he, but you know, all he knows is what he knows, the ways, the ways of of the land, the ways of the peoples, you know, and in their way was like, you know, they, they when when they got a promise from from their God, you know, they covenanted with, him, you know, and so you know, he was asking, you know, hey, you know, okay, I've shown you that I'm committed, you know. Commit, commit to me, you know, like, you know, you gave me the invite, let's do it. You know, and so he, that was just Abram's way of asking for a covenant uh, with Yah, which was uh, how they done things back then. Yah act, actually agrees. He agrees and he tells Abram what it'll cost him. You know, and he says in verse nine, and he said unto him, speaking of Yah, take, take me and help her of three years old, and a she-goat of three years old, and a ram of three years old, and a turtle dove, mm. and a young pigeon. Mm. Now, I don't like this translation of young pigeon. Mm. You know, the word pigeon is goes off. And it means, it speaks to a nestling. Mm. You know, um, in particular, a baby, a little baby, um, you know, chick with no, with, with no feathers. Mm. You know, one that that has no feathers. You know, so uh, it's speaking to a baby. You know, so it's it's actually saying saying you know, and bring a turtle dove, and it's it's nestling or it's 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 baby. You know, and so you know, I uh, that would be a better translation. You know, this this uh this word only occurs actually it only occurs twice in scripture, but the other place that it's utilized is clear. That it's not talking about a pigeon because they're actually talking about an eagle, you know, and so and it speaks about the eagle's young, you know, which wouldn't be a pigeon, it would be a baby eagle, right? You know, so um, yeah, so this would be better translated as a nestling. Now, he says, Take me a heifer three years old. Now, this heifer speaks to Abram's chief devoted female servant of truth, you know, um, i.e., Abram's wife. So what Yah is telling them is that, you know, yeah, you know, um, you want to enter in the covenant with me, then I'm going to have to, you know, I, 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 may, I may have to come between you and your wife. You know, I'm going to be in the midst of that, you know, and he says, you know, bring me a she-goat. And she-goat speaks to his sinful nature. You know, like yeah, I'm I'm, I'm definitely have to gonna get in get in um the midst of that. You know, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do away with that. You know, actually, I, you know, and then he tells him, and bring me a ram. And ram speaks to a devoted son. Now this becomes really revelatory later on when he actually has a devoted son. You know, um, and so you see why he don't buck too much or don't buck it off, you know, when Yah asks him to sacrifice Yaisen, you know, because he already 
knew that it was, you know, it was a possibility, you know, because he remembered a covenant that he cut, you know, and and it, this was a part of it, you know. And then we have the turtle dove, which speaks to his reasoning or intellect. Yes, Yah is going to have to get it, get um, you know, get before that. You know, he's gonna have to get before that, you know, and then we have the nestling or the baby, you know, and that speaks to his thoughts. Okay. Um, you know, now the three years old speaks to all of these things being spiritually complete in the earthly realm. You know, and so this is uh what Abram is signing up for. You know, let's, let's, let's follow along and see what happens next. In verse 10, we're told, and he took unto him all these and divided them in the midst and laid each piece one against another. But the birds divided he not. Why didn't he divide the birds? Uh, didn't want them to be double-minded didn't want them to split the intellect yeah it, it, it can be viewed viewed that way you know um, how, how did you um, formulate your answer Josh didn't want to um, split his thoughts from his intellect uh, what, what they already split they're two different things yeah they do and that's why you know um the thoughts are the baby but the intellect or reasoning you know is is the full full born um the full fully developed you know um bird but one of the things is you know one of the main the main things is you know he didn't want to insert himself in the thoughts or in the reasons, you know, because to do so would be to take away Abram's free will. Mm. He wanted him to be able to think on his own and he wanted him to be able to reason on his own and still choose him. Mm. You know, so this is why the birds weren't split. You know, this is why they, they weren't split. But all the other things, yeah, he's gonna get right up in, in their relationship, you know, um, with him and his wife. He's gonna he's gonna get right in the midst of that. You know, he's gonna get right in the midst of that sinful, that sinful nature, you know, um, when it comes to your flesh. Yeah, he's he's gonna get right in right in the midst of that. You know, his relationship with his son, yeah, he's gonna get right in the midst of that but he's not going to interrupt his thinking nor his reasoning. Mm. You know, because then he will be taking away his free will. He wasn't, he wouldn't, you know, Alvin wouldn't be thinking on his own. And that's, you know, that's not what Yah does. Mm. You know, he always gives us his free will. Now, he says, um, the, 
he divided these animals in the midst. Now, the cutting of animals in half was customary when making a covenant. We, we see this in Yahoo 34, 17 through 20. It says, therefore, thus saith Yahuwah, ye have not hearkened unto me in proclaiming liberty. Everyone to his brother and every man to his neighbor. Behold, I proclaim a liberty for you, mm -hmm. saith Yahuwah, to the sword, to, to the pestilence and to the famine. And I will make you to be removed into all the kingdoms of the earth. And I will give the men that have transgressed my covenant, which have not performed the words of the covenant, which they had made before me when they cut the calf in twain and passed between the parts thereof. The princes of Yahuda and the princes of Jerusalem, the eunuchs and the priests and all the people of the land, which passed between the parts of the calf. I will even give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of them that seek their life and their dead bodies shall be from meat unto the fowls of the um, heaven and to the beast of the earth. Sound like y'all pretty serious about his covenants, right? You know, well, people broke their covenant and, you know, this would be the consequence. You know, but you see, it was customary, you know, for them to cut the animals in half and this is why the word covenant is bereaved which means to cut you know and you know without understanding this you know you'll you'll see the word bereaved and you'll, you you won't make the connection you know what does a covenant have to do with cutting well this is the way covenants were made you know and what would happen when they cut the animal in half when they separated the two halves you know which would be facing one another the blood would run in the mist. And so then the people will walk through the mist of the blood, you know, and in doing so, they were saying, you know, let, let what happens to, to uh, what happened to this, to this cow happen to me if I break this covenant, you know, if I break this covenant, then, you know, let me be as this cow. You know, and this is why, this is exactly why Yah is saying, you know, uh, I will even give them into the hand of their enemies and into the hand of them that seek their life and their dead bodies shall be meat for uh, unto the fowls of the heaven and to the beast of the earth. Because you leave that meat standing out there, you know, after it's been split, you know, the animals coming. They coming for that free meal. You know, so, you know, this is... uh. You know, this is uh very, very enlightening, you know, concerning like what Auburn was doing, you know. Uh and so, you know, God thinks of everything. He had a another um another account in scripture so we can get a better look, right? All right, verse eleven, Genesis 15, 11, and when the fowls came down upon the carcasses, Auburn drove them away. Question. What does Abram's driving away the files that came down upon the carcasses represent? Say again. Thoughts. Yes. Yes. What kind of thoughts? Ones that attack against the covenant. Ones that go against the covenant. Absolutely. Unbelief, you know, concerning the covenant. You know, and so, and if you think about it, that's kind of a natural response, you know. Here it is, you're about to make this real serious commitment, 
you know, and you you know you putting you putting your wife, you're putting your 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 uh posterity, you know, um, you you know, you're putting it all on the line. You know, yeah, you may have some second thoughts, you know, but when those thoughts came, Abram drove them away. And that's the same thing that we're to do. You know, when we enter into covenant with Yah and we start having second thoughts or negative thoughts concerning it, we're to drive them them thoughts away. You know, even as Abram drove away the files that came down. All right, so verse 12 says, and when the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram. And lo, and horror of great darkness fell upon him. All right, so it says, and when the sun was going down, what's happening here? Night. Say again? Night. Nighttime. The yes, but absolutely. What was happening is Abram was losing his wisdom understanding and knowledge so actually what is what is happening is he's seeing something you know and he's losing the wisdom understanding and knowledge this is what this is telling us you know concerning what he's seen and it says and a deep sleep fell upon our you know and it says lo and horror of great darkness fell upon him. Okay, you know, uh, great darkness represents what? Yes, a, a great ignorance. You know, a great unknowing. You know, and so, you know, this is, you know, he's, this is a picture of Abram seeing something and he doesn't understand it. You know, he has no wisdom concerning it. You know, he has no understanding, you know, concerning what he what he's seeing. And therefore, you know, um, and he has, but but it's whatever he's seen is fearful. So, you know, because it's a horror. It's a horror. And, you know, he's really confounded by it. You know, and that's what's meant by the great darkness that fell upon him. You know, and this is this is common. You know, this very thing is common whenever Yah. Yah's spirit actually shows up. This is this is common whenever Yah's spirit, whenever his Ruach actually shows up to an individual. You know, it's one thing having, you know, just having a vision, but it's another thing when the, the uh, Ruach of Elohim actually step on the scene. Mm -hmm. Amen? You know, and so <clears throat> this, is, this is a picture of that. You know, uh, how do we know that? Because it happened elsewhere elsewhere and with other people in scripture let's consider yo because he is, is is very revelatory it says um in Job, um yo 4 13 through 16 uh it says in thoughts from the visions of the night when deep sleep fall upon men you know this is just, this word deep sleep is the very same word deep sleep that's used in genesis 15 you know so it teaches us you know what happens when a man falls into deep sleep you know, he have visions of the night or in other words, dreams, right? You know, and so it says uh, in thoughts from the visions of the night when a deep sleep fall from, uh, on men, 
It says, fear came upon me and trembled, which made all my bones to shake. Then a spirit passed before my face. The hair of my flesh stood up. It stood still, but I could not discern the form thereof. An image was before my eyes. There was a silence and I heard a voice say. So this was a powerful spirit right here. You know, and so this is how it is when men encounter them. Consider Daniel 8, 15 through 18. says, and it came to pass when I, even Daniel, had seen the vision and sought for the meaning. Then behold, there stood before me as the appearance of a man. And I heard a man's voice between the banks of Ulai, which called and said, Gabriel, make this man understand the vision. And he came near where I stood. And when he came, I was afraid and fell upon my face. See the fear? And he fell upon his face. That's the deep sleep. But he said unto me, understand, O son of man, for at the time of the end shall be the vision. Now, as he was speaking with me, I was in a deep sleep mm. on my face toward the ground. But he touched me and set me upright. Also, consider Daniel 10, 7 through 10. says, And I, Daniel, saw alone the vision. For the men that were with me saw not the vision. But a great quaking fell upon them. See the fear that proceeds? So that they fled to hide themselves. They couldn't see it, but they felt it. Spirit had entered into the room. You know, therefore I was left alone and saw this great vision. And there remained no strength in me, for my comeliness was turned um, in me into corruption, and I retained no strength. Yet heard I the voice of his words. And when I heard the voice of his words, then was I in a deep sleep on my face, and my face toward the ground. And behold, a hand touched me, which set me upon my knees and upon the palms of my hands. You know, and this is not the only places, you know, um, just I was in a hurry, you know. And But, you know, you'll see, like, when these spirits show up, it's a very awe-inspiring thing. Like, we read about, you know, in the fragment of Noah, when he saw, same thing happened. He got so afraid, you know, he... he crap and wet his pants, you know, and and passed out. You know, so that's how that's how awesome it was. You know what I'm saying? How how fearful it was. You know, so I just just want want you to see like you know what's 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 taking place on there. You know, now let me have my next reader read Genesis 15, 13 through 17. And he said unto Abram, Abram, know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in the land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also the nation whom they shall serve will I judge, and afterward shall come out with great substance, and thou shalt go to thy fathers in peace. Thou shalt be buried in a good old age. But in the fourth generation, thou shalt come hither again. For the iniquity of the Amorites is not yet full. 
And it came to pass that when the sun went down and it was dark, behold, a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. Hallelujah. So it speaks about a smoking furnace and a burning lamp that passed between those pieces. And, and this is actually, you know, in, in reference to the father and the son. Um, you know, we, we find in Deuteronomy 4, 24, it says, for Yahuwah thy Elohim is a consuming fire. You know, uh, you don't get smoke without fire, right? You know, uh, it says, even as a jealous L. And then we see in Exodus 19, 18, you know, it says, and Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because Yahuwah descended upon it in fire. And the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace. And the whole mount quaked greatly, you know. So it's likely what what um what Abram was seeing was actually you know a depiction of what was going to happen to his seed, the beginning and the end of what was going to happen to his seed. You know how they would be brought out to um to Yah to enter into covenant with him themselves at Mount Sinai, you know. And which would be the beginning of, of their covenant, you know, but the end of, of Abraham's because he, um, Yah would have been uh, fulfilled his promise at that point, right? You know, uh, well, after they get into the land pretty much, but they would come out of, um, would have been a came out of Mitzrayim, you know, and they would be on their way to inherit it. You know, um, he would have also done everything that he said. They would have came out with riches, which they did, you know, um, he would have judged um, Mizraim, you know, for for their affliction, which he did, you know. So all this stuff would have been came to pass, you know, by the time they get to Sinai, you know. And so what about this burning lamp that passed between those pieces? This is a depiction actually of Yahshua. When we look in Revelation 1, 12 through 15, it says, and I turned to see the voice that spake with me and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. Mm -hmm. You know, now we know that, you know, a menorah is seven golden candlesticks, right? Mm -hmm. You know, and in the midst of the seven candlesticks, one like unto the son of man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and gird about the paps with a golden girdle. And of course, this is Yahshua, with uh the seven churches and he also would have seven stars in his hands which is not up here you know which would represent the seven spirits to the seven churches you know it goes on to say in verse 14 his head and his hairs were uh, white like wool as white as snow and his eyes were as a flame of fire and his feet like unto fine brass as if they burned in a furnace could he have been hanging out with his father you know, and as a result, you know, his feet became fine brass because he was in that furnace. Say a lot. And his voice asked the sound of many waters. Then we have Genesis 15, 18 through 21. And it says, in the same day, Yahuwah made a covenant with Abram saying, unto thy seed have I given this land from the river of Misraim unto the great river Euphrates. Mm -hmm. The Kenites and the Kenizzites and the Kimonites 
and the Hittites and the Perizzites and the Raphaims and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Girgashites and the Jebusites, you know, and um, actually, I believe this is the only time that 10 tribes are mentioned, hmm. you know, and we know the number 10 speaks to all of something. So he's letting us know that, you know, he's given it all to him, the fullness thereof. Hmm. That's all I have for you today. Pray with the blessing. <laughs>